You're listening to an irreverent podcast. For more unholy content from our friends, head to irreverent.fm. Hey friends, welcome to the Speaking in Church podcast. I'm your host, Josie, as per usual, and today we are joined by author Liz Coolidge Jenkins. How are you, Liz? I'm good. Thank you so much for having me, Josie. Appreciate it. I'm stoked. Um, like I told you before, I'm a reader. I like to read. You're a writer. I like to read what people write. So here we are. <laughs> awesome. I love to read as well. So you recently wrote... Um, nice churchy patriarchy um great cover by the way really thank you with it. <laughs> thank you <laughs> i had to ask to make it a little bit less pink so now it's a little bit more like salmon orange oh they wanted it pink i mean it just kind of started that way but yeah we moved toward a good place i think yeah yeah more sunsetty. i like mm-hmm. yeah better mm-hmm. vibes mm-hmm. um but before we talk about all things the book, tell us a little bit about your story, your background in evangelicalism, and how you got to even write the book. Sure, yeah. Um, my story, where to start? Well, I'm currently in the Seattle area. Um, I grew up here, but then spent about 13 years in California. Um, oh, 11 up. of those. Yeah, 11 in the Bay Area, and then two in uh, SoCal for seminary. Oh, wait, where'd um, you go to seminary? <laughs> um I went to Fuller Theological <laughs> Seminary in Pasadena yeah I mean on the spectrum it's not the worst no not, not at all best. yeah yeah <laughs> that comes through in the book I think it's quite a mixed bag at least it was for me yeah great great <laughs> uh yeah so I spent a while in my 20s working in college ministry um for a parachurch organization for a year and then for the church that I was going to um for a couple years after that um, so that's kind of part of my story. And then I wandered into seminary after I realized that I've been doing this college ministry thing, but really had no education or training for it. Oh, God bless uh, you. God bless you. <laughs> Most yeah. people don't come to that realization. <laughs> I know. And it took a minute, you know, but yeah. <laughs> Um, so by the time I graduated from seminary, I kind of wanted to shift paths a little bit. And I mean, I still love talking with young people. Um, oh, that makes me sound old, <laughs> talking with people younger than me, <laughs> um, but really wanted to focus on writing and see if I could write things that would kind of help the church and Christians and post-Christian kind of people figure out like, how do we do spirituality and faith community in a healthier way? Mm. Yeah. I mean... I feel like those of us who are really serious about our said faith uh, always pretty much end up here at some point, um, yeah. especially those of us who actually read and <laughs> do yeah. our do our due diligence. Then we end up finding that the patriarchy has really fucked shit up. So, amen, amen, <laughs> yes. And white supremacy oh, and so many yeah. things, yes, yes. Yes. Oh, I mean, the church is just great mm-hmm. so good um tell us about the book tell the readers all about it yeah for sure I guess this is a podcast <laughs> yeah hopefully readers too yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, so yeah, I really, you know, started writing down stories and reflections from my time in conservative, 
um, often explicitly patriarchal church contexts, um, I realized I had a lot to unpack. And as I was talking with friends from those contexts, I realized that I wasn't the only one with lots to unpack. Mm -hmm. So this book is kind of about that journey of reflecting on all these experiences of being a young woman in church and a young woman in ministry, and just kind of very slowly becoming aware of how much patriarchy impacted everything and how damaging it was, not just to me, although that's part of it, but also to the whole community, to the whole church, who doesn't get to experience the full range of gifts that women have. Um, so yeah, that's a lot of it. That's kind of the first half of it is a lot of unpacking those experiences and stories and reflecting on them. The second half is more of kind of like, where do we go from here? Like, are there things we can draw on even in the Christian tradition that support women's flourishing and the flourishing of people of all genders and that can help us kind of chart a way forward that isn't stuck in these patriarchal ruts so yeah the book in a nutshell yeah I love it what uh what denomination did you grow up in well, so I grew up in a Presbyterian PCUSA church. So unlike many evangelicals, I chose evangelicalism in my young adulthood. <laughs> How dare you? I was not, I know. <laughs> I was not indoctrinated with it as a child, but I got to college and joined an evangelical Christian ministry on campus and started going to a conservative evangelical church. So um, that church is kind of non-denominational uh, and kind of a Bible church type tradition um if that helps with the context question yeah. oh yeah i mean i'm mostly just curious but I, it makes sense to me when people go from you know mainline to evangelicalism and they're young because it's sexy right they make it look real sexy real fun and cool and if you start having kids they have all these great programs <laughs> that are like fun i remember once going to this mega church uh, i think it's called cottonwood here in southern california and uh, we were picking up the, some kiddos because we were going with some family friends and from the kids ministry. And oh my, it was like a jungle gym. It was like a full blown it's like fun, fun <laughs> center. And I was like, no wonder people come to yeah. these churches. Like this shit oh. looks great, rocking. Totally, yeah. And I mean, the ministry I joined in college really got me with like, yeah, not only is it fun and cool in the sense there's like a lot of college students involved, but it's also serious. Like we're really serious about following Jesus and like those other yeah. churches, I don't know if they are. Yeah. Um, so and they make you feel like that. you're like a rebel, like you're so yes. cool. Countercultural. Then... Yes. I don't Absolutely. know if you've seen any of these TikToks, but oh my God, I watch these poor young kids like posting on TikTok all about being super serious about their faith. And I'm like, oh, honey. You're gonna look back at this and wow, yeah. golly, okay. Yeah, <laughs> I do enjoy the cringe, though. I will be honest. I am, I am, I do enjoy it. Um, what inspired you to write the book besides, you know, experiencing it? Yeah, yeah. Um, I think that. So, I mean, so there's these experiences of patriarchy, right? And then there's the whole, like, how long it took me and how much thinking and reading and talking with people and studying the Bible and going to seminary it took me to even be able to, like, articulate those experiences. So um, I think I was hoping to kind of speak to and kind of process with women or any others who are kind of in that place of, like, this doesn't feel right, but why and how and how can we do things differently and kind of processing all of that. Um, so I really, yeah, wanted to get at like, how do we kind of dig a little deeper into all these things and what's behind them? Um, and how do we explore how to do things differently? So 
yeah, kind of wanting to speak to those who have felt that something isn't quite right, um, but aren't quite ready to speak up about it or to consider leaving. And I want to encourage people to consider speaking up and if needed, leaving and kind of consider the agency we have as women to make those choices about what environments we do and don't put ourselves in and how we engage with those environments and that kind of thing. Yeah, I mean, I love it because I, I take for granted how boisterous and assertive I personally am. Like, I just don't, I won't put up with anybody's bullshit. But that's okay. not everybody, right? Yes. Like, and it's not me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But you kind of are, right? Like, in a in a kinder way, I would say. <laughs> I'm kind of a bitch. But, yeah. um, I mean, you wrote a whole book about it, and I, I just find that so for people who are not like me or not even like like you either like who don't necessarily know how to find their voice or know how to search up this stuff it's like a i don't know it, it, giving words to people i feel like is the whole job right because mm -hmm. how many of us felt so silenced in the church mm -hmm. and had no idea that there was other options like nobody presented yeah. us different options and you totally did yeah yeah people are made to feel alone people are made to feel like they're the problem if mm -hmm. they're not having a great time yeah. yeah totally did you have like a breaking point or was it like a slow burn because for me it was definitely a slow burn and i slowly was just like i'm kind of done with this and i just kind of trickled i ghosted the faith pretty much <laughs> i mean not anymore i do work at a church now but it's different but but yeah, did you have like yeah. a breaking point I think it was more of a slow burn. Yeah. I'm trying to think if there was a breaking point. I mean, my breaking point with the conservative church itself was more about queer inclusion and affirmation. Mm. Yeah. And I think that was the kind of, yeah, that was the point where, um, I mean, I kind of write about this in the book. Like there was a point where I would have been willing to continue working there and try to work out these differences in theology that we had. Um, but the church leaders were not willing to do that, as mm -hmm. most conservative churches are not. So, yeah, I think once it kind of became queer affirming and realized like how closed off the church was to anything moving in that direction, um, that was kind of a breaking point. And then there was a lot of reflection and all the other gender stuff that happened after that, really. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, sometimes I think it's easier to leave because of something that feels a little disconnected from us, mm -hmm. like even if you are gay, it's easy to say like, well, I don't want to send other gay people to hell before right, right. yourself, right? And I feel right. like that's the same with women too. Like so many women leave the church because of gay issues only mm -hmm. to then figure out, oh, I should, probably should have left a long time ago for the sake of myself. <laughs> right, totally. Yeah, and there's a powerful story that I, I mentioned in the book that um, uh, Linda K. Klein writes about in her book, Pure, which is wonderful. Mm -hmm. um, she tells a story about a woman who was kind of looking at her newborn daughter and being like, wait, what kind of church do I want to raise this child in? What messages mm -hmm. do I want her to get? And that's kind of what helped her realize that things were not okay. So yeah, sometimes we look at others and think, oh, like, this isn't working for them. I got to do something, but it's harder to look at ourselves and realize what isn't working. Yeah, totally. Yeah. I mean, I don't have any kids, but I have lots of nieces and nephews that I've watched mm -hmm. grow up. Mm -hmm. And I just cannot imagine looking at this infant or like even some of them are like in their 20s and going to college now. And I'm not that old. I'm 28. <laughs> okay. my, my family is just Latin families are crazy and large and whatever. <laughs> um, but I can't imagine ever telling them like, 
you're gonna go to hell or you like a, a like a, like a little baby like oh, right what a cute little sinner <laughs> like uh, what right. kind of bullshit is that <laughs> right. i can't even imagine do you have any kids no i don't but right. i feel the same way when yeah. i think about kids at my current church or yeah mm-hmm. what, what kind of church do you go to now I've I've gone full circle back to PCUSA. Yay! Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we I feel like a lot of us who have deconstructed end up in mainline churches just because it. Uh, I mean, even I know people who loved the the show, the music, all that mm-hmm. stuff, and they're like, I just can't, I can't deal with anything that looks like it at all. Yeah. So I'm gonna go to this. Then they're always like cute little. I love the old people in these churches. I love. Uh, I don't know. I dig it. The baby baptisms that were not common in evangelicalism. Mm-hmm. I think it's so cute when the little babies get mad. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> That's the best part. Yeah, when the babies get mad. Just kidding. <laughs> but they're not going to hell, and we're not telling them they are. <laughs> yep. Uh, this is off topic, but there's a TikTok video of a little like a Catholic baby getting baptized, and he just like smacks the bible into the water or something oh shit devil child welcome that's awesome (laughs) so what do you um what do you see as like the future of evangelicalism from this point on like what do you think is a natural progression that's gonna happen as somebody who's like done some some deep research that's a great question. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, gosh, yeah. I was talking with a friend recently who has a lot of faith that things will get more progressive as time goes on. And I'm thinking, I don't know. I would love to hope for that. I would love to think that. Um, I think what I see is there are a lot of people kind of who have spent time in evangelical churches who are becoming more progressive. And then there are often leadership of the churches that kind of dig their heels in and kind of retrench themselves and aren't necessarily willing to rethink things. Um, so I don't know if there'll be kind of even more of a, of a split between your very conservative sides and churches that are kind of moving in a different direction. Um, I don't know. I mean, I think in, in the book, I think I do a little bit less kind of trying to predict or yeah. change where evangelicalism is going a little bit well, more kind of more kind of speaking to women or others who are not happy with it and kind of saying like you know it's okay to leave even though leaving is often very hard it's okay to explore different kinds of churches whether that's mainline or elsewhere um, it's okay to not go to church for a while right like it's okay to kind of find the communities that actually are meeting your needs are kind of places where you can grow and thrive and use your gifts and love people and be loved so I kind of trying to speak a little bit more to like like individuals families Mm -hmm. friends who are like what do we do with this and kind of be like it's okay to make a fuss it's okay to leave yeah yeah I mean I think that's like the whole mission right because yeah these structures are so huge the institution is so large there's so much money floating around that all we can really do as people who know better at this point (laughs) (laughs) oh sorry no you're fine i choked on my spit from laughing that's so embarrassing um oh whoa um all we can do is just like encourage people like the individual right like you don't have to put up with this bullshit you don't Mm -hmm. have to go to a church that tells you to be complementarian when you and your partner are obviously egalitarian and don't really Mm -hmm. give a shit in general Mm -hmm. um yeah i mean 
I don't know how else to go about it other yeah. than the individual. Yeah. And I think churches and church leadership ideally are, you know, at least noticing these things, right? Mm. And if all the women walked out of a church and didn't come back, you know, that would be noticeable, right? Yeah. Um, so I think that's part of my hope that kind of as people choose to go the places that they actually want to be and that kind of line up with their values and the way they want to live, that maybe there is change that kind of is pushed or forced as a result of that. Yeah. Maybe, maybe not. We'll see. Yeah. No. I've had this thought that, and tell me if you agree or disagree, but I truly believe that women are going to be the ones to dismantle the whole system if it happens. Like, there's yeah. just no way that, I don't know, it's like this whole race thing, right? Like, as much yeah. as we want white people to, because they hold the power to to fix things for us this is just, just not it just feels that way it's not going to happen so we have to yeah. do it for ourselves yeah. and women are the most oppressed in the evangelical church yeah. um i mean with everything tacked onto it but in <laughs> like you know women are just wow yeah would you what do you think about that concept i think so um, yeah i mean i think whoever's the most on the underside of these oppressive power structures is definitely best equipped to kind of be able to see what's happening and be able to change things. Um, and I think, I mean, I mean, I had to make a pretty concerted effort after I graduated from seminary to go back and be like, wait, like, who did we miss in all of mm. these classes where all of the almost all most of the assigned readings are by white male privileged authors. Mm -hmm. um, so I think as I've done that, as I've sought out female authors, authors of color, especially women authors of color, like it is a whole different vision that I'm getting and yeah. an inspiring one, right? And there's there's a ton of women of color writing amazing things and doing amazing things and leading in different ways. And um, yes, so I do think that that is who is going to help us build something different for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, do did you ever like go up as somebody who worked in the church did you ever have these conversations with people in leadership and how did they go <laughs> i'm curious yeah Ooh, where to start <laughs> <laughs> oh man i think it was just so hard being a woman on staff at a conservative church so in leadership but also not really without power in these church leadership structures wait um, what was your title first of all yeah I'm I spent curious. two years <laughs> spent two years as the college ministry intern intern um, of course full-time yeah full-time work doing mostly the same work as different pastors did in different areas young adults mm -hmm. high school junior high all that um but for college it was just me um yeah and then <laughs> after those two years I got a what might be considered a promotion in terms of title to college ministry director okay um, so what conversations yeah. did you have as the director <laughs> the passive aggressive title of director right i know there's so much in that title yes <laughs> um yeah i mean it was really hard i mean i don't think i ever felt like i like needed a pastor title in terms of like my own like ego I don't think mm -hmm. like the students I work with really cared what I was called or what my title was I don't think they really knew right mm -hmm. um 
uh, where am I going with this? I mean, I do think that by the end of that time, it was pretty grating to realize like how big the difference was just in terms of how much kind of respect was afforded to pastors mm-hmm. or how much influence mm-hmm. they had in different decisions or even how much information they had access to. Like I had some kind of frustrating conversations where I was kind of like, like I'm basically, I mean, I am leading the college ministry, right? I'm kind of the person responsible for this. Um, I wonder if I could attend pastoral staff meetings so that I could have access to kind of all the different information that pastors have access to. Yeah, well, I mean, you're, you're pastoring these people, yes, like you are watching. a pastor. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Um, and I was told basically no, because mm-hmm. if we did that, then we'd have to um, invite everyone with your title to these meetings and then it's too big a group mm-hmm. which was rough group. yeah yeah it's rough because I mean yeah you want to provide support to everyone in theory right and the interns and directors were not getting the same kind of kind of support and community that I think kind of the pastors had with one another and um yeah and I mean I wasn't really in the same role as other people with my title like Mm -hmm. other interns and directors were kind of working under the leadership of like a high school pastor junior high pastor Um, so in theory they would kind of get that information and support from that person whereas I was kind of the person (laughs) yeah Yeah. (laughs) oh no okay let's we both have worked in churches let's talk a little bit about what that's like i mean i think that's a a huge part of people's deconstruction journey when you have worked in a church what was like that journey like for you as somebody who did work in a church yeah (laughs) or what do you think like are some of the pitfalls of like how things are run i mean there's plenty of pitfalls in how churches are run in general but yeah, I mean, I'd love to see churches kind of just better support their staff and and just kind of make more of an effort to not expect their staff to be superhuman. Mm. Um, I mean, I think even as an intern or director, right, like very far from like kind of the lead pastor position in a church, but like kind of, as you said, like the person for college ministry and the college students, I mean, I think I it just felt like a lot of pressure. It felt like um, I couldn't take time off or felt guilty taking time off. Um, It felt like I needed to be this like role model of like what it looks like to be an awesome Christian. Um, And I think I kind of tried to to push push back against that in my own work. And I tried to, I don't know, help students figure out how to be the awesome people they were meant to be in their own awesome ways, right? Like they're not all supposed to be at all like me, right? Mm um so yeah I mean I think just kind of more support to help people in ministry be fully themselves be the best versions of themselves but not kind of feel like they have to fit into some particular role of like this is what a minister is like Mm -hmm. yeah I have a friend who works at a Methodist church and she has like issues with this because she's um how should I put this she loves to have fun um and she loves like she likes nightlife she likes to go to trivia nights at breweries stuff like that so not like crazy but she enjoys seems pretty wholesome yeah Yeah, exactly um but like she had a talking to because somebody posted a picture of her like flipping off the camera for fun and granted like i get it but also it was on a personal instagram account and it feels like (laughs) yeah like the image thing is Um. I had another friend who like worked at a church and they 
wanted him to install like this accountability software onto all of his devices so that if he like watched porn it pinged somebody else's like his accountability partner i was like oh my god that is not that's intense great but it's like this whole thing about image right and the (laughs) image that not even just people that work at a church but that all christians have to have like (laughs) and it's less about I feel like it's often less about actually doing the work on yourself and more about just making sure people don't know your business, like right. your flaws. Yeah, trying to make sure it doesn't reflect badly on the church or make the church look bad. And that's a lot of what we see in general, right? When people mm-hmm. criticize things that are valid to criticize about churches and churches are like, oh, okay, we just need to like look better. And I'm like, yeah. no, you need to like do need better. Be better right? yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Did you... um? Did you see the Lauren Boebert scandal that happened recently? No, what was that? <laughs> oh my gosh, I can't believe I'm telling you this. Um, so she went to a showing of Beetlejuice as a family-friendly showing. And she's like in the middle of a divorce. That's none of my business. I don't really care. But she is all about Christian values and family values and being conservative or whatever. Homegirl went to the showing, was vaping in the proximity, like in the close proximity of a pregnant woman the whole time in like an auditorium which is already like as somebody who vapes don't crucify me everybody i'm sorry okay nicotine is life (laughs) um (laughs) um i just wouldn't do that like i don't vape Uh uh-huh in like an indoor closed space yeah like Mm -hmm. with my friends in my house sure because Mm -hmm. what but it's just not that it's just rude like (laughs) you Mm -hmm. don't know these people (laughs) Mm -hmm. and uh she was also one fondling her male partner and being fondled by her male partner and i was like oh cute i mean charming yeah like these are the family values like you should because sexuality sexuality i'm not a prude but i also this is there's children around and you're being gross like no ma'am like what do you what is what is what are we trying to communicate here, Miss Lauren? And I feel like that's so often with like the Jerry Falwell Juniors of the world, and like this image is so important, mm-hmm. and they're yeah. just not. If you're not willing to meet the standard, just why are you why are you pretending? You know, I don't know. Right, yeah, pretending mean, and making other people feel like they have to yeah. meet it, or at least pretend to meet it. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like with Jerry Falwell Jr., you could do whatever you want within your marriage. If you and your wife want to have a little fuckboy playmate, none of my business. But don't then go work at a university and chastise everybody for all things sex. Mm-hmm. You know? like Yeah. And police other people's sexuality, mm-hmm. police queer people's sexuality, even mm-hmm. the ones who want to be in a monogamous relationship. Yeah, totally. I know that was always a weird conversation with my dad. Um, he's come far now, but with a lot of people that don't like gay people, um, specifically the ones that are more intense, they're like, "Ugh, it's gross!" Like they're just hoeing around West Hollywood, and da, da, da. and it's like I, I don't know a lot of gay people who, you know, like they're just mm-hmm. they're trying to find love. I don't know, <laughs> like right, right. sure, it's fun to go out, but that's a very small demographic of the already small like it's not the issue that you think it is and it's all consensual and i don't know what uh, yeah anyways but um what did you ever like teach your students that gay people were cool (laughs) on like the dl (laughs) 
Oh man, I kind of wish I had, but yeah. I didn't. I tried pretty hard it's to kind scary, of though. toe the party line. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I thought I had a future potentially working at that church for a long time. I was interested in that for sure. Um, so I think I kind of tried to walk this line of like, I had these beliefs. If anyone asked me directly, I would tell them. Um, but if not, if I'm doing kind of a general teaching, then we're yeah. going to stay away from the things that I disagree with the church about. Or I'll bring in someone else. Um, I'll bring in a pastor who can kind of speak the things that are more in line with what the church believes yeah. and we can talk about that and have a discussion um so that's kind of the approach yeah I think that's pretty brave still to answer honestly when asked the question and i mean such integrity like i don't agree with this so you can talk about it <laughs> that's so <laughs> i think that's so sick um what have you um now that you're would you consider yourself like a deconstructed human um, yeah, I think I've deconstructed a lot of things. I mean, I think yeah. I would still, you know, carry the label Christian, probably progressive right. Christian. Yeah. Yeah. But I believe pretty differently from what I used to. Yeah, totally. Do you see any, like, <laughs> this is a loaded question. Do you see any of the same pitfalls in the deconstruction community as you do in the evangelical community? And I say, I ask this specifically so that we can better ourselves as a disjointed group of humans. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, to the extent that there is like a deconstruction community, right. um, I think there are many um, and a lot of people who are deconstructing without community, which is hard. Um, yeah, I mean, I think it's easy for, say, progressive Christians to kind of rally behind a few progressive white male Christian leaders. Um, mm. Nothing against those leaders. A lot of them are great. Um, but I'm also kind of like, we're just still falling into the same patterns of making assumptions about who can lead us well and who can help us think about things differently and yeah. who has the right like education and connections to do that. So I think right. there's that that we kind of need to keep thinking through. <laughs> right. Yeah. I even have like, I often have trouble with the fact that we have deconstruction leaders yes. like i don't know isn't the whole point that like you're not going to tell me what to do and i'm not going to tell you what to right. do i thought that was the whole point right um especially um, when like i've gone to wild goose which is like this hippie yeah. progressive christian festival or whatever and i don't mind being in all white spaces because i'm just so used to it and it's just like sure. and i'm so shame free and i don't give a shit like Love i'm gonna that. call you out i don't give a shit like i i don't mind fighting that's not that's mm -hmm. or arguing i should say mm -hmm. but it was predominantly a white space and i'm thinking like why and i had conversations with a bunch of my other friends who were creators um that we all went together yeah, cool. and it was kind of the same consensus like why aren't we putting more effort into having more voices yeah. out here um like yeah. booking people i don't know like i yeah i understand the whole community aspect of it it's like all fun and great and i had a great time but mm -hmm. yeah i don't really like i don't really like the whole leader thing like yeah i think I, that's fair yeah. i love pns and all he writes but don't tell me what to do like not that he ever has tried or anything but sure, like, sure. i wouldn't let him tell me what to do and he's considered like the the coolest one of the coolest of the cool and i'm like mm -mm, ain't nobody telling me what to do or what totally. to believe yeah. 
Yeah, totally. Yeah, I think I think it's easy to kind of keep judging others for what they do or don't believe or how mm-hmm. deconstructed they are or aren't or kind of where right. we're on that journey or even to assume that the journey looks the same for every person. I think it's mm-hmm. really different for all of us. It's different for me as someone who didn't grow up in an evangelical setting than it would mm-hmm. be for someone who did. Um, yeah, everyone's kind of on their own journey. And I hope that as a movement or community, we can make space for that. Yeah. Yeah. I totally get you about the not growing up in evangelicalism, though, because, I mean, I grew up in Latin Assemblies of God Church mm-hmm. um, growing up, and it was just, I missed a lot. Like, people were like, oh, I loved Adventures of Odyssey. And I was like, I have no idea what that is. That's I don't, I... can't relate. <laughs> right. I know, I didn't do Veggie Tales or anything, yeah. Oh, I did Veggie Tales. Okay. But that was probably more out of sheer laziness mm. from our Sunday school teachers. Um, mm. I mean, not laziness, it because they're great tools. I mean, I haven't watched them, so maybe I shouldn't say that. But they were fun at the time. They were great. <laughs> yeah. I need to rewatch um, them, but oh my gosh. Yeah, I can't. There's so many things that I just miss out on. And even now, I feel like I'm just not in on the joke sometimes. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a whole white evangelical culture. That's, yeah. Yeah. Did you guys do True Love Waits in Presbyterian churches? No, I feel like I was fortunate to avoid that. Um, I do think that the church, I mean, gosh, I probably shouldn't say this because I don't really remember that clearly. I think they taught to save sex for marriage and all that. Um, Ah, Yeah, they all do. Right. But I don't think, I mean, we didn't do any of the like purity ball nonsense or uh, commitment rings or anything like that. Although, I mean, so I was in this like kind of moderate space, right? Mm-hmm. Like pretty moderate family, not trying to do anything that like that. Um, but then like as this like curious Christian teen without like a ton of Christian friends or people to talk to, like I would Google stuff, right? Yeah. <laughs> and Google stuff about what Christians believe or what we should be doing with our lives. Mm-hmm. And so I think I was aware of stuff like True Love Waits, but like through the internet, not through like community. So that yeah, was kind yeah. of a weird headspace to be in, like between this kind of moderate church and this more conservative like internet. Yeah. yeah. I mean, God bless our churches for not doing purity balls yep. oh my god i cannot imagine yep. the level of trauma that i probably would have had yep like it just seems so intense and also yeah. gross like i can't imagine that my dad would have oh no me neither. my first ever year gave me the sex talk i never had the sex talk <laughs> They knew that I was getting all my information from school, whether it be from classes or from my friends. And all these yeah. don't have sex, don't get pregnant was pretty much the whole vibe. <laughs> I was like, okay, sounds good. Sounds oh, easy, I guess. Yeah. Right. But no, I can't. Even like shopping for a, when I got married, a wedding dress felt, I was like, I'm a child bride. I was 24, which I still okay. think is a child bride. But... Okay. <laughs> And uh, uh, like being 12 and shopping for a little white. No, I even think debutante balls are weird. Maybe that's just because I grew up in Southern California. We don't do that shit. But right. Same in Seattle. Yeah. All of that. Did you grow up in Seattle? I did. Yeah. In a suburb of Seattle in Bellevue. Yeah. God bless. Oh, Bellevue. Isn't that fancy? <laughs> it is fancy. It's a little fancier now than when I was a yeah. kid. But yeah, 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 I can imagine. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. Bellevue. Wow. That's where... Um, <laughs> What's his face's church was, wasn't it? Uh, oh, Mark Driscoll. Driscoll? Uh, I think he was based in Seattle proper, but I could be wrong. 
maybe maybe he I just was not involved there. fortunately yeah. maybe maybe yeah. <laughs> yeah fortunately you are not involved. yeah yeah where do your parents stand now in their faith and your faith yeah um they still go to the church that I grew up going to um well they they moved to California for a little bit and they came back yeah. um so yeah I mean yeah I think they're still people of faith but not I mean they never really bought into the whole conservative evangelical world that I bought into for a while yeah. in my young adulthood totally yeah and I think I wish that I had listened a little bit more hi mom and dad to your to You're their right. skepticism yeah, yeah <laughs> about all the evangelical stuff yeah and I was like nah nah they don't know what they're talking about right like Jesus said yeah. like leave your family like follow me you know yeah but you know they had a lot of wisdom Oh my gosh, your parents are like the best case scenario. The rest of us are just so jealous. Do they like gay people? They're they're not opposed. Great. They they yeah, a non-issue is just as good, you know, like they don't have an opinion. That's good by me too. Yeah, my parents are not. They've had a lot of opinions. Um I don't know, like do you so I from our conversation, I would surmise that you are a smart person. Like on the level of intelligence, you're definitely past, you're like on the the side of intelligence. On the That's, spectrum, very right? That's very kind. That's very kind. I mean, to write a book is just, I mean, it's already a level of intelligence that most people level don't Level of hubris. Right? Just no, 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 no. I mean, you got a lot of things running around your head. You got to write it down. That's my That's thought. That's true. A lot of things running, yep. Do you, <laughs> what, like, especially like you went to seminary like what is it like for you as an individual watching the shit show that is white american evangelicalism go down especially now that you're deconstructed and writing books <laughs> it's a lot it's yeah. a lot yeah and i think um i mean i think my awareness of that shit show began in 2016 with That's trump's cool. election That's yeah awesome. i'm not saying it wasn't happening before that just that i wasn't necessarily aware I mean, it was um, pretty, pretty, pretty evident. It's pretty yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, I mean, I think that was kind of largely what spurred me to step down from my job at my mm -hmm. conservative church, where I felt like I had to walk all those lines of like not really contradicting the things that the church wanted to teach. And but yeah, I think when Trump was elected, that felt like a turning point of like, oh, this white evangelicalism thing is a shit show. Like, let's talk about that, honestly. Let's not kind of pretend that all sides are kind of, you know, equally yeah. thinking things through. Like, let's mm. kind of confront the things we need to confront and see if we can change the things that need to be changed. And yeah, 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 not thinking things through. I think that's that's it. Like, that's the. Ugh, the little like if you guys just thought five seconds longer maybe you wouldn't think this way right and i mean i have so much compassion because as another person who i think leans on the smart end of the spectrum um not to do my own horn <laughs> i have a lot of sympathy for people who are like dumb like some people are just born dumb right like it's just like and that sounds awful but i mean there's it's just some people don't have a level I, I would say curiosity maybe like you're just like curiosity curious. critical yeah. thinking yeah they they whatever is they they're sponges they absorb and that's what they believe on both sides right like that's not just conservative mm -hmm. people or liberal people there's a gamut um and i think that i think that evangelicalism is leaning towards dumb like you're just you're choosing to stay 
and these beliefs that harm people. And to me, that's dumb. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe you're not as like mean as me. But what do you yeah, think? <laughs> I mean, I do think that something, you know, I noticed was that most people throughout their time in seminary, um, or at least at, at the seminary that I went to, um, really were encouraged to, or I don't know if encouraged is the right word, inspired, kind of, kind of found ourselves having to rethink a lot of things mm -hmm. and mostly move in a more moderate to progressive direction, if anything. Yeah. Um, so maybe that's kind of a roundabout way of saying that kind of the more you look into yeah. some of the scholarship, if you're open to that, and some people are very anti-academia, but mm -hmm. if you're open to kind of the insights of biblical scholarship and um, theological study over the years, then I think you do kind of tend to move more progressive yeah. over time. Yeah. I mean, yeah, the more access people have had to higher education, right. the more people tend to leave the church. I mean, that's yeah. just, and they think that it's like a poison, right? Like we're being poisoned. Right. Right. But it's like, no, I think on like the most minuscule level, we're learning empathy, right? Like we're surrounded by new people with new right. ideas, didn't grow up the same way as we did, have an opinion about what we believe, have their own beliefs. And you just, end up naturally forming your own conclusion and yeah. um if it's to be nicer to people i think that's probably a good thing churches yeah like, right right <laughs> because yeah. i mean how many of us deconstruct and don't it's not because like we're having doubts about atonement theory or some bullshit like that like it's <laughs> we're thinking about gay people and women's rights right. and how we treat the poor and like these are the reasons why we deconstruct and we leave and we change our minds right not whether the virgin birth is real or a story <laughs> yeah absolutely yeah and the more different kinds of people we're exposed to like you said the better in terms of yeah empathy of love of figuring out what love looks like in practice figuring out how to love people who don't just look and think like me yeah yeah i mean do you have any final thoughts on your book anything like what final t talking point final thoughts Ooh. i know this is always... <laughs> there's just so much to unpack yeah there's so much so i mean to everyone who's on that journey right like blessings to you it's a good journey um i think it's long and that's okay um like i said it looks different for everyone and that's okay yeah. I think something that I kind of was hit with in seminary at some point was like, this journey is hard, but it doesn't need to be lonely. Mm. There's lots of other people thinking through similar things, people who want to connect and talk about it. Um, so don't make it harder on yourself than it needs to be by also kind of uh, self-isolating or kind of keeping your changing thoughts to yourself. You might be surprised if you start to express them, how many people might have thought some similar things and yeah. would be happy to talk about it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, God bless you for giving us another resource, right? Like, I feel like deconstruction is like a huge topic right now, but as yeah. far as like good books and resources and like with a wide array of thoughts and perspectives like there's not a whole lot of that going like it's just now being mm -hmm. built up mm -hmm. um and i think yours is great like thank you mostly because everybody's talking about theology which is like great i love theology but let's 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 really dive into the patriarchy why don't we like let's just i feel like right. that deserved its own book and you wrote its own book and that was 
just I find that phenomenal and thank, thank you. you thank you thank you, you. yeah and like what even is yeah what even is theology if it's not embodied if it's not helping us mm-hmm. think about power in a different way if it's not moving us toward justice and all its yep. forms yeah yeah because at the end of the day power is kind of the name of the game like you got to yeah. think about everything I actually had this weird conversation with somebody once about um they were like starting a church and I they were asking me some advice and I just posed this really aggressive question I didn't realize at the time that it was so aggressive and because they wanted to start like a deconstruction church and I was like that's great mm-hmm. um there's a few of those around in Southern California so I think maybe we should think about your pursuit of power and why you want to start a church instead okay. of joining with churches yep and that was a big question for them that's a good question they did not really appreciate it um that was such a bitchy question though don't you like that's a good question (laughs) i know but it's just like why do you want to start a church (laughs) and it's not necessarily accusing right like maybe they have a good answer to that like i have a different approach i want to take or yeah yeah but maybe they don't and that's worth considering yeah i feel like they definitely thought about it after which is good Mm -hmm. i'm glad that they did um (laughs) but yeah like why are we pursuing power? And it's the same in the deconstruction community, right? Like, why are certain people pursuing power? Mm-hmm. Um, why do I do it, friends? Because it's fun. Um, <laughs> I, mostly because I just like talking to strangers. That's pretty much it. Solid. <laughs> I feel my power to talk to strangers. And that's a spiritual gift, you know? Yeah. yeah. Oh, thank you. Oh, my yeah, God. Yeah. Not, not everyone can talk to strangers, totally. Yeah. Although I do sometimes get in trouble because when I talk to men as if they're my equal, sometimes I get weird vibes and I was like, oh, my gosh, this guy think I'm, thinks I'm flirting with him because I'm just not. I'm just oh, like, no. Oh, I hate that. I know. Well, it happened actually yesterday at the dentist. I'm not that he said anything, but I was like just talking to my dental hygienist. And granted, we were talking about my braces, and I was like, yeah, if you want to look at my pictures, they're pretty gnarly. Like, I had, and I was telling the whole dental process. <laughs> and then at one point, I was like, I haven't seen you around here. Like, do you do you work here? Like, how long have you worked here? And, and mm-hmm. he paused for a second. I was like, oh, and I was like, oh, shit. Maybe that was a weird question to ask. Like, I just, oh, man. But yeah. Anyways, that was a personal anecdote. But yeah, I feel like that's just friendly, but just I know. Me. Yeah. But, I mean, he was also hot, so I get it. Like, if he knows that he's hot, it's like, I, I'm not trying to, like, stalk you, dude. I was just wondering, because I always see the same three people at this dentist office, okay? And right. all of a sudden, you show up. <laughs> <laughs> and you're just saying, how long have you worked here? You're not saying, like, where do you live? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, he he didn't say anything. He was very nice. <laughs> it was fine. But I just you get those vibes, you know? But I do think it is my spiritual gift. Thank you for affirming me in that. Yeah, I love that. As a pastor, thank you. (laughs) Yeah, it's an important skill for pastors, for sure. Oh, yeah. I'm not a pastor, though. Mm -mm -mm. I do preach on Sundays, but only because I think my congregation thinks that I'm funny. That's pretty much. I'm sure they do. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I love when people think I'm funny. (laughs) All right. Well, anyways, uh, enough about me and my chaos. plug away at all the things you got going on thank you you too oh sorry you mean like talk about them now yes sorry. <laughs> i thought you were like keep going i was like oh thank you oh, no, tell uh, us where people can find you sorry that was that's such a podcast that's such a podcast speak plug away tell us what tell people where they can get your book where they can follow you you have a website stuff like that 
Sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. I have a website at LizCoolidgeJenkins.com um, and I blog there pretty regularly. So that's something you can subscribe to if you like. Yeah. I also blog at Patheos. It's called Always Reforming. Um, this is the name of the column. Yeah. Um, We've just had a fellow Patheos <laughs> writer on oh, awesome. the music side of things. But... Oh, cool. Yeah. Okay. And then, um, yeah, the book is available for pre-order at Amazon, Barnes and Noble, and Bookshop.org. Bookshop.org is nice because it supports local bookshops, um, and it releases on December first, so you can pre-order it now if you like, or it releases soonish. I think that's mostly. It. I also love connecting with people on Instagram at Liz Cool J, so feel oh, free to find me there. That is the sickest name. <laughs> Thank you. Damn straight. Yes, that's ugh perfect opportunity i just want to congratulate you on that instagram <laughs> thank you thank you i had to marry my husband you know who's a jenkins to get that j in there but yeah yeah, yeah. no oh <laughs> gosh it's always cool your maiden name it is yeah oh you kept it i like it Fuck i did i mean technically i didn't or i kind of relegated it to a middle name but i yeah. still use it when i feel like it so yeah yeah my partner did the same thing his middle name okay is, i mean he hasn't legally done it because he doesn't want to go to the social security office it's a lot of work yeah <laughs> but he's keeping his last name what do you call it when it's a boy like it's not a maiden name oh that's a great question i don't know well he's not keeping it he's moving it to his middle name and taking mine because that's how we do things okay love that <laughs> yes <laughs> and my dad was pissed about it of course he was because the patriarchy sucks isn't that so funny i was like dad mm -hmm. if i adopt my children they're gonna have your last name isn't that great and he's like i don't like it <laughs> yeah interesting he would give up his own name yeah interesting wow because i'm a woman and he's like mm -mm, that's not how things my mom even said uh before i finish off this podcast last thought because i'm really enjoying having this conversation with you likewise my mom was like it's unbiblical for you not to take your husband's last name and i was like Ooh. i don't think you've read the bible <laughs> i don't think you'd know what yeah, you're talking about where is that in the bible yeah, yeah tell me the verse <laughs> where are the last names in the bible mother <laughs> tell me right and don't even get started on what is biblical marriage and, yeah yeah oh yeah ending with a good patriarchy story i think that's great <laughs> well thank you so much for coming on the podcast this has been great thank you thank you so much for having me and next time you write your next book come back on or if you just have something you want to talk about that sounds good to me too <laughs> <laughs> thank you awesome all right friends well as always you can find us at speaking in church on instagram you can find me my dogs and my crochet projects at josie takes the mm -hmm. world that's all that's on there so good luck with that if you follow me it's a chaos storm um you can uh, leave me a tip in my buy me a coffee situation that's the link in my bio on the podcast one and we have merch that's it all right friends as always stay woke or get woke please <laughs> okay bye This has been an Irreverent Media Podcast.